Hello, and welcome to the Noble Wealth Partners podcast. Noble Wealth Partners is a registered investment advisor created to help individuals and families get more out of their relationship with their financial advisor, from investment management to comprehensive financial planning. Joining us this week on the Noble Wealth Partners podcast is the great Tom Burns from Presario Ventures down in Austin, Texas. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. No, well, the pleasure is all ours. We're happy to have you here, Tom. And this week on the show, we want to discuss real estate investment. And specifically, we want to talk about private commercial real estate investment, one of Tom's specialties. He has about 25 years of experience in that space. And Tom, I was hoping maybe before we get into the deep dive on commercial real estate, you have such an incredibly unique background. I was I was wondering if you could give the audience a little bit of information about who you are, professionally, where you came from, how you got to where you are today, and a little bit of information about Presario Ventures, if you would, um, that would be really helpful. You bet. Not the typical real estate path. I started life started life as an athlete that wasn't going to make any money doing that, so I ended up going into medicine. Uh, so I went to medical school and did not have the benefit of any any business classes or anything. I was loving medicine, going through my training. Got to the end of my training. And quite honestly, started seeing the, uh, the the people that I was going to emulate in the future, seeing what they did, the, the other doctors, and they were they were making quite a good income, but they were complaining a bit about their time and things like that, and being controlled by other people such as insurance companies and entities like that. So, I thought that maybe it might be a little a little smarter to. Um, to maybe have some some income that wasn't correlated to the medical world, so I started searching. And my first my first con- contact was actually with a uh, with a, f- a financial planner group that came in and talked to us about money, you know. And it just gave me gave me an idea of how money worked and how it you didn't necessarily have to perform services all the time to get to get income. So I started searching and finding some things that would work. And that's how I eventually gravitated towards real estate. Real estate is a bit slower. There are trends, there are up and down trends, but they move slow and you can, you don't have to be the first one in. So it fit, that fit my lifestyle as a busy doctor. Um, I found out I could do it with partners or without, I could do it part time. And so it fit well for me. Um, we are in Texas, uh, eventually came back and was practicing full time and sort of going along learning this real estate business, started small like most people do, little buildings here and there, little things, learned a lot. And what happens is when you get into an industry, you start, um, you start getting knowledgeable, you start getting familiar with the industry, you start developing some degree of expertise and those that have other degrees of expertise in that industry start noticing you and you start partnering up and you start learning. So that's kind of what happened. I um, did my smaller deals. They became larger. You start adding zeros to deals. You start meeting people. And quite honestly, at one point I went to a person that I knew who was very successful in the real estate world. I said, I like what you do. I would like to learn. And so as a full-time practicing physician, I worked for three years for a real estate guy for free. We did land deals and built to suits and things like that, but I learned a lot. That eventually morphed into a 150,000 square foot medical office building. So, you know, good things come when you work hard. So that was one partner who I learned a lot from. Um, I then was speaking at a real estate conference in the early 2000s, met somebody in the audience from the West Coast. They were moving to Austin, Texas, where I live. And we got to know each other. And after about six or seven years, we became partners. 
our first really large deal was in 2010. We did a 240-unit apartment complex. And that was a company that was named differently. It was RNB Capital Partners. And that was the sort of the seed for Persario Ventures. That's where the story ends. We, we, um, we pivoted our strategy, rebranded the company about three years ago. We are now Persario Ventures, and we focus on commercial real estate, primarily in the multifamily Class A apartment space. Terrific. And, and thank you, Tom. And I want to expand on that a little bit because not only are you a very successful real estate investor, but you also happen to be an orthopedic surgeon, which I find absolutely fascinating. Um, I won't pretend to be a doctor, uh, but I will say that I understand that being a doctor and especially an orthopedic surgeon requires a lot of expertise and, and takes some time, correct? So, um, you know, I would like to see if you could talk about those two different disciplines, the skills and the expertise that are required by both and, and what those two do to complement each other and allow you to be successful in both. You bet. It has been relatively life-changing. You know, at first I wanted just a little bit of extra income. I wanted income that would give me some freedom and choice as to how to manage my life and do the things that I wanted to do as I, as I moved through down that path of life. And so um, along the path, eventually the income started increasing. I started finding I didn't have to work as much as an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and in any job that you do, you, you like to have some choices. So on the good side from the orthopedic world, I was able to eliminate, eliminate a lot of those stressors. And I'll tell you that 54% of the doctors in the country have suffered some symptom of burnout, which means that every other doctor you see at one point in his life or her life didn't want to be there. Yeah. So I don't suffer that right now because I've developed enough, enough income outside of medicine that I can do it um, as more of a passion rather than a necessity to feed our family, to feed my family. So that has been the biggest benefit. It has changed uh, probably the lives of my patients and me. Um, I love going in. You know, they say if you're looking forward till Friday, you don't really like your job. I love going in on Mondays. Right. So it has been a blessing to me, to my patients, to my staff. And that's why I'm still practicing. Um, I am not dependent on my orthopedic physician income, right. yet I still practice because I truly enjoy it. Um, on the real estate side, it's because of the ability to do it part-time or full-time. That is a big thing. And the ability to use partners. You know, I've had two primary partners. They're both very smart gentlemen. They've taught me a lot and maybe they've learned a thing or two from me, but we work well together. So it doesn't all have to be you. So that's, that's been the big benefit of using real estate as that vehicle. And I love real estate as well. It's, it's a way to help people just like medicine is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously in, in different ways, but definitely in, in two different ways where you can you can add value to people's lives. And I think that that's pretty terrific. And it also rolls nicely into the next question I wanted to ask you. And, and that was in regards to when you developed an interest in real estate. Um, was it something that you found a passion for early in life? Was it, was it something that you started to get interested in in college? Or was it something that you sort of developed an interest in as you got going in your professional career as an opportunity to, as you mentioned earlier, diversify your income? I think it, I think it happened in my training. I was always entrepreneurial early, been working since I was 13. So I always kind of wanted my, my own money, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, going through that, you know, once I found out I wasn't going to be a star athlete, you start going through that medical world, you know, it's, it's a long road. It's 10 years after college. So right. I, I went, we go to school longer 
then is reasonable. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think that's but, fair. But that's how we learn how to do what we do. So it really, it really was more of that realization of watching people that were quote successful in the profession that I was about to start in, and they weren't happy. And you know, my my view of life was that you were supposed to be happy with what you did. Um, so uh, I would say it came later. And um, I looked at a number of other things, and and real estate just seemed to be the thing that fit that lifestyle best for me. Interesting. So so later in the career, which I think is a, a really good lesson for our listeners on your opportunities to try different things at any point in where you happen to be in your career right now, looking for other options, side hustles, whatever that might be. Um, also, Tom, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't address one question, and that was about your aspirations as an amateur athlete. And I was wondering, you know, I happen to coach um, youth baseball and high school baseball here in the Denver suburbs in Colorado. Um, but if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about how that transpired for you and, and, and the athletics in general, where that led you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want anybody to think I was better than I think than I really was. I, you know, I was a, a baseball player and then... Um, and then picked up early, and then I picked up a tennis racket, and um, that seemed to be where my my talents were best suited. So I became a tennis player, uh, did reasonably well, and was good in in uh, in my lane, so to speak. But I was never going to be on anybody's TV with them watching me play tennis. <laughs> no, well, maybe not on TV, but I I do know that Grant, my business partner, whom I know you know very well, uh, both from a family perspective and a professional perspective, also happens to play tennis, or at least pretend to play tennis. So maybe one of these days we could get that particular match on a, on a television set for, for some of our, uh, for some of our loyal listeners. Well, I can make it public now. I don't think I can beat Grant anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Good. We'll, we'll, we'll make that, we'll make that a public announcement. So back to the real estate discussion, um, you obviously have a lot of contacts and relationships in the real estate space. Um, you spend time with a lot of data sets, reviewing uh, and analyzing that particular data, looking for opportunities in real estate uh, for investment ideas. I was wondering if you could spend a little time talking about where you see the the biggest opportunities or the biggest challenges right now in real estate investing. And it doesn't have to be limited to Austin, Texas. It could be anywhere in the country, any sector, um, talking residential, commercial, industrial, whatever it happens to be. But what are the the biggest opportunities and challenges you see right now in real estate investing? You bet. I'll start with the good Um, because there's good, you know, there's always good and bad to everything. Um, You know, on the good side, everybody always still needs a place to lay their head or to do business or to store their stuff. So real estate's been around for 5,000 years. There's always a need for it. Um, uh, and just recently the, um, the Dallas fed just came out with a new, uh, a new statistic that the state of Texas at least is going to have job growth of one and a half percent over this next year. That's still pretty good. On the downside, we have had a run of eight to 10 years of just um, fantastic real estate appreciation and growth and so you know you could throw it you could throw a dart at a piece of real estate and probably come out ahead so you know it's a long run as we all know life is waves the same thing happens in the financial markets Uh, eventually there's some sort of correction so we're sort of near top prices are high Um, and so some care needs to be taken when choosing the type of real estate you want to use Um, that being said there's always the deal of the century right around the corner if you if you if you're nowhere to look so um you know i think with 
with the corporate debt that's going on right now, you know, if there's an uptick in interest rates or a down downturn in the market, you know, that could affect some of the larger corporations, which in turn could affect jobs and there may be layoffs. Real estate, at least the real estate that we, uh, we uh, live in and the commercial uh, residential, commercial multifamily real estate, we follow jobs. And so, we try to stay in high job growth markets, which does put us in Texas. That's where Presario does most of its work. There are plenty of other pockets. There's certainly Florida is a high job growth state. Prices are less in the Midwest. Um, and values are crazy in San Francisco, New York. It just depends on what your expertise is, you know, because that's, that's another point is you don't just do real estate. You know, real estate is not a thing you do. There are multiple types that you can do and they all have their, they're different areas geographically and they're different time periods at work. So it's, um, it's a top of the market right now. So it's time to be careful. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And I think you bring up a really good point about the different sectors of the real estate investment and market. And I know that you and the team at Presario Ventures focus on commercial and primarily multifamily commercial. But if you wouldn't mind for the audience, just helping them conceptualize the different sectors of the real estate uh, marketplace and which sectors they should be paying attention to and, and how they can break that down for their, for their own education. Well, you, you first need to look at what you, what you like, you know, I mean, we have, we have our work and then we have our passion. So hopefully you find something that you really are excited about, uh, you know, maybe you don't like warehouses, but you like single family homes. So that's the first thing, find something that you enjoy researching and then research, you know, I hate to say that word, but you need to, you need to learn. So, because, you know, buying single family homes in Memphis, Tennessee might make a lot more sense than trying to buy single family homes in Austin, Texas. Likewise, maybe it's a little better to do multifamily in Austin versus Memphis. It all, it all depends. You know, the real estate is very local. So um, I can't tell you that self-storage or industrial or hospitality and hotels is any better than multifamily versus commercial office. Uh, and they, they all have so many subsets. There's commercial medical. So, you know, some 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 uh, sectors that that are maybe a little recession proof. We we are in multifamily for that very reason. Multifamily does does well when there's a downturn, or does reasonably well when there's a downturn. Right. Sometimes office space goes dark in large chunks. Self storage can do reasonably well because people, if people get laid off, maybe they move to a smaller place. They have to store their stuff. Um, mobile homes, manufactured. Housing that tends to do well uh, right now. Industrial is sort of the the, the hotter property. Uh, that's you know rates uh, rental rates are rising a little higher in industrial property. Sure. Um, so it all but you know even in the multifamily world we have to build four million apartments between now and the year 2030. So that's 11 years to build four million apartments. They built 319,000 last year and it was a record. So we are actually not keeping up with demand. But again. That demands local, just depends on where they're being built. Yeah, what we hear a lot, especially here in Denver, in our locale here with our clients, is that they want to invest in real estate and they've done a little bit of research and what they've discovered is is that things are extremely expensive. And I, I think Denver's not the only place that, that has that particular issue and, and it kind of extends around to different pockets of the country. But what makes me nervous is when our clients come to us and say, I've done a little bit of research on real estate investing. I think it's really expensive. So my gut tells me I need to go somewhere where the price is lower. Now, the problem is, is while the price might be lower, they haven't done any research. 
They're just making a decision based on the fact that Denver has simply priced them out of the market and they're going to try to find uh, another opportunity without spending enough time there or without having any real expertise whatsoever. So I was wondering if you can talk about what should investors be looking for in a real estate investment partnership, something like Presario Adventures, not something from our perspective as a financial advisor. You know, relationship, just as in your business and financial planning, uh, both real estate financial planning, they're relationship businesses. So you need to, you need to know the people that are, that are the sponsors or that are maybe, maybe showing you the investment. Nice to look at their track, look at their track record, look at their information and the transparency that you're getting from them. So that's, that's one thing you need to know the people. Um, and there's, again, there's still no, uh, there's no substitute for, for, for knowing, knowing your market, it, it helps to learn a little bit, you know, yeah. don't expect somebody to be a real estate um, expert if that's not their passion. So that kind of, that kind of leads back to knowing, liking and trusting the people that you work with. Um, real estate's not an emotional business. It's all numbers. And so don't get emotionally tied to something cause it's pretty. The numbers, the numbers don't lie. So look at the numbers. One mistake that I made when I was younger, was that, uh, in fact, I can, a quick story, I had an investment with a guy that I didn't know, but had been referred to me by somebody else, had a good track record, and uh, I sent it to a third person to look at that I trusted that knew real estate. And he didn't like some aspects of the deal, but I was young and, of course, smarter than my advisor, <laughs> and I did yep. the deal. And uh, lo and behold, he turned out to be right. So that's one of my rules is I will, I will find somebody that's been there before I've been there. And if they give me advice that is contrary to what I'm thinking, I will follow their advice. Yeah, outstanding. I think that that's probably good advice when it comes to anything in the investment world. Um, always uh, be willing to listen to a contrary opinion. Um, talking a little bit about the mechanics of actually investing in, in private real estate, Tom, if you, if you wouldn't mind spending a, a little bit of time on if we had a listener who wanted to get into the space, they not necessarily looking to uh, purchase another house and become a landlord or, you know, go down that route, but they were looking for an alternative to traditional investments and they were looking for some passive income ideas. Where would you steer them? You betcha. Um, and yeah, you can do it two ways. You can do it actively and buy your own rental house or duplex, or you can, you can be involved in syndications where there's a main general partner who's a sponsor of a project and they are um, gathering money from others in a syndication to provide the equity or the money for the project. Um, you know, look, social media, hate to say the word, but social media, there are groups out there. There are Facebook groups. You, you type in real estate, you will find lots of Facebook groups and there are people on there that have got, um, opinions from A to Z. You'll, you'll learn a lot there. Through those, Facebook meeting, through those Facebook groups, often there are meetups, live meetups where you can go in your town to meet people that are in the real estate world. And that'll fit with what you want to do. It might be single family home folks. It might be multifamily or office. So get around people that are doing it that will get you in the environment. You will learn by osmosis and by effort. And so that's the first thing I would do if people do come to me a lot and say, Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to get into real estate. What should I do? And my first answer is get educated. Um, absolutely. So read some, you know, there are some books out there to read and, and I would, I would read if I would read some books, I would go talk to some people. You will find more resources after a while. You'll find out that you know a lot more about the industry and, and you'll know which way you want to go. Uh, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense, Tom. And, and I think the most important thing you mentioned is that, 
uh, in any sort of investment business. It is a relationship business. And I don't think you can sit at your computer and and simply do a little research on the internet or throw a dart at a particular project that comes your way or across your desk and assume it's a good deal without knowing the people that are behind that. So I really like the idea of social media, which I know carries some some bad implications uh, with it, um, potential fake news, whatever else that's going to be out there in the social media world. But I think it's nice to be able to affiliate yourself with a group of people that are experts and that are willing to give you some advice and, and help educate you. So um, really good stuff there. Uh, last question of the day here, Tom, and, and we'll get to this one pretty quickly. I, I filled you in on this before you came on the show, but we would like to refer to this one as my friend Matt's question. Um, so essentially a little background on this is, uh, is Matt is a real person. He is a friend of mine from high school. Uh, last year around Thanksgiving time, I was getting together with some friends around the fire, had a few cocktails, and my friend Matt posed this question to me. He said, what in this world of professional finance, what do you guys know that you're not telling the rest of us and that you're using to take advantage of us? So um, with all of our guests, we'd like to have a chat with them about my friend Matt's question. And uh, we won't go into the world of medicine with you on this one, Tom, but if you can just sort of focus it on on real estate investing, what do the the folks in the real estate investment world, the professionals like yourself, what do you know that you're not telling the rest of the world? All right. Well, if your listeners won't let the cat out of the bag, I'll let them know. Yeah. Um, the primary secret is that those of us that have been in real estate for 20 and 25 years are no smarter than you are. <laughs> it is, and I use, and, I, and as I looked at this, I came with it. There's, I got a music metaphor. So, you know, music is made up of only 12 notes and it just depends on how you arrange the notes as to how it sounds. Right. And so some of the greatest songs ever played were made out of three and four chords, very, very simple music. So, you know, Tom Petty song, you can play with three chords. Sure. So, if you've got knowledge of music, you can stand up on stage, play those three chords, and those in the audience, if they don't understand music, they think you're awesome. So you're a rock star. Right. Same drill in the real estate world. It's all, I've got another friend who says, do the numbers and the numbers will tell you what to do. Real estate is not an emotional game. It's just basic numbers. It's basic math. So we just do the math and we do the research. Um, you know, we're just uh, nerdy enough to have all the services that give us all that data. We crunch data. We use a lot of spreadsheets. So no great secret uh, from our end. The big secret is truly educate yourself. Just you got to you, you gotta learn and you'll, you'll find what you like and um, get educated. Find some people that know what they're doing. And before you know it, you'll be in an environment where you're learning all the time. You're finding people you know, like and trust. Then you'll be able to pick where to where to get your, your passive income and get, get the investments that you'd like to participate in. I think that's fantastic. Thank you, Tom. Um, tell our guests, tell our audience uh, where they can find more information about you, how they could get a hold of you if they'd like to, and, uh, and more information about Presario Ventures in Austin, Texas. You bet. The website for Presario is www.presarioventures. That's P-R-E-S-A-R-I-O ventures.com. And I'm Tom at presarioventures.com. Fantastic. So if we have any of our clients or any of our, our audience members that would like to ask you a question, hopefully you don't mind, Tom, if they shoot you an email. No, that's part of our deal. We're, we're founded on education and we have educational events all the time. So um, I always encourage people to call us. We're still plenty small enough that uh, my partner, and I always talk to our investors live. So 
have them call me. I'll be happy to answer questions. Well, you're so gracious with your time, Tom. So thank you very much. And and from our audience and and from all of us at Noble Wealth Partners, thank you for joining us this week. I know we don't have you forever. I know you have this this little job on the side where you're an orthopedic surgeon. So who knows? We may need to be letting you get on with your day. Um, Hopefully we can have you on again down the road sometime, but we really appreciate your time this week on the Noble Wealth Partners podcast. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. As a reminder, everything discussed in today's podcast is not intended to be investment advice or tax advice to any specific circumstance, and we would recommend that you speak to a tax professional or your investment professional about any questions that you might have related to your own situation. Noble Wealth Partners is not liable for any ambiguous or incorrect information that was mentioned in today's podcast.